0: let me pray. Father, the grass withers and the flower of the grass falls to the ground, but your word abides forever and ever. It is for our comfort and for our salvation. By your Holy Spirit, illuminate all that is said into our hearts and minds to advance the kingdom of Christ in our hearts and in our world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you look at chapter 16, beginning in verse three, I just want to read these few brief verses. Paul is writing from Corinth, and he's writing to the church in Rome, and he's telling them that he hopes to come to them soon. In anticipation of this, he says, "'Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, "'who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks but all the churches of the gentiles give thanks as well greet also the church that is in their house now, as we look at this passage of scripture this morning we need to understand that this couple prisca and aquila were jewish we need to understand that they were in rome we need to understand that they were there a long time before Paul or any of the other apostles came to Rome. So their conversion as Jews was quite analogous to the conversion of Paul. And there are many things about their life and the things that the Lord called them to be a part of that he called Paul to be a part of too. And so as we look at this passage of scripture, the first thing I'd want us to think about is that this couple came to faith in Rome. All the commentaries are agreed that these people were Christians before they ever met Paul. The second thing is that Jesus Christ taught this couple how to serve him when they were living in Corinth, and when they were later living in Ephesus. And then that the Lord Jesus Christ led them and led them back to Rome to be a part of the strengthening of that church that would be so integral in reaching the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as we look at this passage this morning, I want us to first of all understand that this couple, Prisca and Aquila, came to believe in Jesus Christ while they were in Rome. Now what happened there would have been something like this. A convert, a Jew, came to Rome and began to talk about Christ in a synagogue and maybe in another synagogue in Rome, another Jewish convert. Maybe he had been in, in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. And he was a convert, and he came to Rome. And, and these people that were converts to Christ and Jews, they came into the synagogues. That's where God's people were. And in those synagogues, they began to explain That Jesus was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament scriptures the promises that were from Moses the promises that were in the prophets and that all these things had been fulfilled in the person of Jesus that yes he had come and he had taught and yes he had uh, suffered as the suffering servant that Isaiah spoke of and even that he fulfilled those obscure passages that that talk about deliverance coming on the third day and that God had raised him from the dead. Now, as Prisca and Aquila heard these words, something happened. The father's election and the spoken word about the Messiah, the Son, and the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit all came together in this couple's life And they believed. And not only did they believe, but they began to then commune. When they read the Old Testament, they began to understand that this was about Jesus and Jesus was talking to them. And then they began to pray, and they began to pray directly to Jesus. And and there began to be, in these Christians' life, a very living communion they were all Jews. Now something else wasn't happening. And what wasn't happening is some of those people that were in those same synagogues were hearing the same message about Jesus Christ. But the Father's election did not rest on them. And thus the Holy Spirit's regeneration in illumination did not take place in their hearts and in their minds And in a in a mass of jewish people maybe 20 or 30000 who were living in rome at this time there was schism within the synagogue you had those who believed You had those people who were in a living relationship with Jesus, like Prisca and Aquila, and and they were in business in the workday world, and, and they lived in the same neighborhoods, and you had one group that just, they were believers, they were followers of Jesus now, and you had these others. And they were rejectors of Jesus now, and they did not want the believers in their synagogue any longer. They no longer wanted to do business with them. They no longer wanted to associate with them. They didn't want to eat with them. They didn't want to do anything with them. They shoved them out. All this had already been happening in places in the empire like Alexandria, Egypt, much earlier much more profound because it was a much larger Jewish colony. But in Rome, the emperor Claudius came to see that this was a terrible thing for Rome and for the empire, and he booted them, all the Jews, out of Rome. You can read about it in Acts chapter 18, verse 2. Now, Suetonius... A Roman historian approximately 70 years after this event tells us what the cause was. And Suetonius tells us that this was over Crestus, that this expulsion of the Jews came because of Crestus. Now, it doesn't take a lot to understand that Suetonius had just missed the spelling of Christus by one letter. And so because of Christ coming in to this community, and in particular this couple's life, they had to leave everything. Now in Roman, or excuse me, Hebrews 10:32 and following, there's some things that are explanatory about these times. But here's this couple. We don't know, they could have been young, they could have been middle-aged, they probably weren't old because they're in a vital relationship for Paul with Paul for over 15 years. But this couple who are successful businessmen and woman, first of all, lose their synagogue, second of all, they lose their friends, third of all, they lose their homes, fourth of all, they lose their business, And they're expelled from the capital city. They leave. Now, by application to you, we're not a synagogue. But there are people here who know about Jesus, and there are people here who know Jesus. And the goal and the effort of each and every one of our hearts should be to move from the one to the other. That it is not sufficient for us to know the details about Jesus. That the goal is that we would understand that the word of God is Jesus speaking to us. And that the goal of our prayers is to be speaking to Jesus himself. And for us to commune with him... Day by day, week by week, in all of our life, come what may. Now the second thing, in growing in the sense that you're communing with Christ, we must always be prepared to leave everything, if keeping anything would mean denying Jesus. We must be willing, like this couple, to leave everything if denying Jesus would mean that we would hold on to anything. That's what we can take from what we have learned so far about this couple. The second thing we see is they moved. Now they're business people, the trade routes. Just immediately to the east is Corinth. Trade goes right through there. So they relocate to Corinth. They start a home. They begin their business. Maybe they were attending the synagogue there in Corinth, but yet they're probably a bit bummed. They had wanted to be in the really big city. They had a home. They had a business. They had friends. They had a synagogue. All that's gone. And they probably were feeling the effects of that. And then lo and behold, one day, soon after they're there, a very, very skilled tradesman shows up. He's a tent maker like they're a tent maker. He's seeking employment. He wants to feed himself. And he's a Jew like they're a Jew. And so he goes to work for them. His name's Paul. And in a matter of moments, you can imagine what he's saying to. Aquila, he's saying, do you know that the Messiah has come? Aquila says, well, yes, I know that the Messiah has come. Well, do you know that his name is Jesus? Well, yes, I know his name is Jesus. Beyond that, knowing his name, I know him. I know Jesus. Now, I think probably you had two shocked people. You had Paul shocked that here was somebody that was a Jew that knew Jesus like he knew Jesus. And Aquila was probably shocked that here was a man, Paul, who knew Jesus like he knew Jesus. And they were both Jews. Paul says, tell me your story. He says, well, it happened in Rome. He says, I don't know what happened in Rome. What happened in Rome? And so Aquila says, well... I didn't believe. I heard about Jesus. All of a sudden, I'm believing in Jesus. So many people in Rome that were Jewish began believing in Jesus. It split the city. Claudius told us we had to leave. I knew about that, Paul would say. But I didn't know why. Well, that's why. what about you what's your story he says well I came over here because Jesus led me to Philippi I got in trouble with the Jews I got in trouble with the authorities and I got thrown in jail and I got booted out of the city and I went to Thessalonica the same thing happened and I went to Athens and something like that happened I lost my traveling companions and I'm here by myself and Prisca and Aquila say come live with us It's just like what Jesus said in the gospel you know, you're going to take these people in because they're followers of mine. Blessed are you who are persecuted for my sake and for the gospel's sake. So priscilla and Aquila take this man in. Now he's going to stay with them for 18 months. Where do they go? This, Acts 18 tells us they went to the synagogue. Now, here's Paul, and here's a new guy. And he's watching Paul, and Paul is explaining the scriptures about Christ in the synagogue and Prisca and Nicole are watching and listening and all of a sudden, the election of God the Father, the message about Jesus as the Messiah, the illumination and regeneration of the Holy Spirit begins to come upon that synagogue and many, many of the Jews in that synagogue and the god fears the Hellenistic uh, people that had adopted Judaism. The men not wanting to undergo circumcision didn't do that, but they believe, and many of the Jews believe, and all of a sudden, well, there's something not happening there too. In that synagogue, there's some people that are not elect by the Father, and so the elimination and regeneration of the Holy Spirit isn't coming upon them. And they don't like it that the god fears have adopted Paul's message. And so they run them out. And another level of upheaval begins to occur in Corinth. Now, I, this is kind of, okay, for you lay people. This couple, Priscilla and Aquila, have taken Paul into their house. There's all this upheaval. Paul is in Prisca in Aquila's house. And who comes to the house? But the Lord Jesus himself. And reveals himself in a fresh way to Paul. And says to Paul, do not be afraid. Continue to speak. Don't hold back. No one is going to harm you. I have many people in this place. Now, I'd just like you to think what it would be like to wake up in the morning and the preacher came to you and said, I had a vision last night in your bedroom and Jesus was there. That'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? Would you not think that the Lord was communing with you, that the Lord was leading you, and leading Paul. And so we see this happen, and now Paul's preaching, and there is this upheaval, and the Jewish people do what they had done before, they go to the civil magistrate, the civil magistrate listens to him and says, I know what happened in Alexandria, Egypt, I know what happened in Rome, and we're not having any of it here, you all settle that yourself. And so Paul continues to preach, many people come to faith in Christ, and Paul senses it's time to move. So Paul leaves Corinth, goes to Ephesus, and Priscilla and Aquila come with them. They begin the same process again. Priscilla and Aquila are learning Priscilla and Aquila have accommodated themselves to being led by Paul And now, after a very short period of time, Paul says, I've got to go back and make a missionary report in Antioch. You take over. I'll be back. And they're left with an infant church. As things would happen, God brings a Jewish man, a Christian, from Alexandria, Egypt. We're told that this man is is like a speaking genius. His name is Apollos. He is a rhetorician. He is a logician. He is a theologian, and he's preaching to the Jews about Christ in the in the synagogue in Ephesus. But as Prisca and Aquila, whose ears are trained to Paul's theology, listen to Apollos. They understand that there's a deficiency in Apollos' theology and they pull him aside and begin to introduce Jesus to them, into this man more precisely and more personally and and Apollos benefits from the instruction of this lay couple, Priscilla and Aquila. Now, what would you take away from this? Well, I, I, here's what I would take away if I were you. You need to make sure that you're building close personal relationships with your pastors. You see this with and Aquila. These two with Paul were incredibly close. You can have that relationship. I must say, you may have to work on it. Some of us are a little distant Some of us are a little prickly. I've even been told I'm odd. I don't know what that means, but I've been told that. But it's for your benefit. Can't you see how it benefited? I like it when you all laugh at me. I don't even mind. I don't mind that. It's good. Laughing is good for digestion. If it helps you digest the word, it's better. This couple had benefited from having Paul in their home. You never know what might happen from having a pastor that close to you. My dear friends, knowing your theology, we live in an era where theology is not much attuned to. This couple was able to instruct Apollos. It's an amazing event. Paul comes back, the church is built. He's there for three years. There is a riot in Ephesus. It's all over Christ again. Christ is turning the world upside down. Now, Paul is remaining, but Prisca and Aquila are going. And they go back to Rome to reestablish their business, to reestablish their home to reestablish their life there. And Paul is writing a letter to the church at Rome. And now he's saying to them, these people, Crisp and Aquila. Now let me just stop for a second and go back to chapter 1 of Romans. In chapter 1 of Romans, Paul says, your faith, the Roman church's faith, Is known throughout the whole world. Think of that. In these verses that we've read, it says, I give thanks for this couple, but so do all the churches of the Gentiles. Think of that. All the churches of the Gentiles are giving thanks because of this Jewish couple. When we look at this couple, they are a model of racial transformation. These Jews who are so arrogant and sophisticated and so all about their way or the highway, this couple now has an open and genuine relationship with the breadth of the Gentile world for Christ Jesus. That's what we learned here about this couple. Now there's something about this passage that I've saved to the end. This is a very unusual passage of Holy Scripture. This is the only place in the entire New Testament where the, the verb to give thanks is directed towards humans. I want you to think of that. That every other place, and the the use of the word to give thanks is over and over again in the New Testament. But it's always to give thanks to Christ. Always to give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, there can be a time where Paul gives thanks for a church, but not people by name. And this woman and this man, Paul's giving thanks for them. Churches are giving thanks for this couple. That is pretty unique. Some of you all that are younger are looking for something that's worthy of your life. Model your life after this couple. Not many of us are willing to risk... You know why they always put very young officers and very young men in the front line of combat? Because the older men are going to hedge their bets. The younger men are going to risk it all. This couple is the only place in scripture. It's not a metaphor. It's a reality. They risk their necks. They trusted Christ in their relationship with Paul when there wasn't much to risk. They trusted Christ and they trusted Paul when it was pretty extreme. And they probably did that with practice two or three times. And then something happened. We're not told what it was or where it was, but something happened. Where it actually called upon this couple, the woman and the man, to risk their absolute lives, putting them at personal peril, in order that Paul might be spared. That's what we're told. Christ in the gospel, in the world, you're communing with him to the point. That you're willing to leave it all. You're communing with Him in the sense that you're worth, ready to serve in all, and then communing with Him to a point that you're ready even to risk your neck for Him. Let's pray. Now, Father, as we come to this communion, we pray that you would speak to us again a very fresh way that Christ risked it all and paid it all that we might get it all and we pray in Christ's name with thanksgiving amen